There we go. Uh, no, February 21st. Man. Yes, it was. Yep. Ventura? Oh, Ventura. Yeah, oh. so we can cover that. So disappointing. <laughs> let's just let's just start from the actual like right now. Thank you for joining us uh, for episode 91. And we apologize for the great gap. Uh, There's a little bit of a technical problem. And we uh, we definitely appreciate the listeners who have held on since episode one. And we did not want to torture you again with uh, the last version of 91 being much like episode one. So or or two, three and up to ten, I think. Um, <laughs> so. So we decided to postpone uh, our re-recording because much as most people, uh, we definitely don't like going through a really nice, um, what's the phrase I'm looking for, stream of consciousness discussion only to find out that we've screwed up our audio. So we definitely didn't want to record right away. And uh, I went on a little trip that, that I will be happy to tell you guys about. So we are back. And we'll have some more exciting stuff to talk about when we return in a couple weeks. But until then, hello, Joanne. Hey, so tell us about this vacation of yours. Was it a motorcycle or car or flying? Sorry. Well, it was actually the first uh, non-two-wheeled vacation. Um, there was supposed to be some wheels involved to some extent. Um, I wanted to go on. Uh, well, I've. I've I've been a little remiss about putting myself out there and going out on some trips. And uh, when my friend brought up the fact that he was going to New Orleans, I remember the last time I was in New Orleans and I did not really get a great chance to eat. Um, and I know that there are a lot of great restaurants. So I jumped on the chance at going again and spending some time and kind of just, you know, wandering without having a motorcycle attached, uh, just to remind myself what that, what that is like. And it is using lift a lot. <laughs> So um, I pretty much ate based on the recommendations of uh, fellow motorcycle industry peers who have uh, traveled there a couple of times, if not done press press rides there, or actually a couple have lived there for uh, a bit of a duration. So I had a lot of good material to start with, and uh, I think the first night I was there, it was eight o'clock and we couldn't find a restaurant that was open. And I'm not quite sure what the deal is with that. Maybe it was a holiday, but, um, I stumbled across a bar uh, that was nearby and we had, uh, smoked sausage and red beans and rice, which was just the perfect comfort food after a long day of airline travel. And he happened, the bartender happened to recommend his favorite restaurant in New Orleans. And we got on that program the next day and it was packed. And we were there early, so five or six is when it opens. And we, we got a table, and it was the best crawfish etouffee. Not like I've had it, but it was the best meal in a long time that I have had. Really great salad with a fried oyster on top. And dessert was coconut bread pudding. I proceeded to have a bunch more desserts. I think I had one more serving of bread pudding that night later when we went and saw some live jazz in the French Quarter and uh, kept on going to some really great uh, restaurants. Cochon is also a really great restaurant in New Orleans. And the motorcycle kind of connection is that a couple months ago, 
um, Thunder Roads, the branch in Louisiana, reached out to me and asked if they could license some of uh, my work, the uh, Don't Date a Woman Who Rides or Don't Date a Girl Who Rides article that's on Motorific. And so basically, uh, February was the month of that printed. So if you happen to be listening in New Orleans and you are near a Harley dealership, um, there might be other motorcycle dealerships as well. But for sure, I know it's carried at Harley-Davidson. The Thunder Road publication that's currently out there is uh, the one that a slightly revamped version of Don't Date a Girl Who Rides is in. So I was able to meet some of the staff. Uh, Renee uh, picked me up at the airport, actually. It was really cool. Um, I was supposed to hang out at an event that night. got canceled due to some illness and just inclement weather and such. So I didn't get a chance to hang out with, uh, with the, the riding ladies. But um, their distributor, Uncle Jerry, gave me a ride back to the airport. And we had some lunch. Had a shrimp po' boy, which is on the list of things I must eat. So... All in all, uh, really, really nice of them to uh, basically shuttle me to the airport, some, spend some quality time off two wheels. Just actually really good weather while I was down there. It didn't really rain very hard, if at all. And uh, it was nice, a little trip off two wheels. My next trip is also off two wheels, but we'll, we'll talk about that when I uh, come back in a couple of weeks and we re-record um, 92. So what have you been up to across across the U.S.? I guess since 91, I was on vacation. I was at home eating my way through California, um, just eating my way through the Bay Area anyways. Other than that, yeah, just eating my way through home and uh, a little bit of riding because here we've had unusually warm weather really really bad global warming in my opinion it's been it was 70 on sunday and that's not at all remotely normal for this time of year should be snowing and it's been 70s and we've had a couple of 50s and random 60s and then today it's 40 and it's going to be going up and down so actually we went riding on sunday and then Hopefully, maybe this Sunday might go riding again because it's going to be high 50s. So if it's high 50s, I'm game. But it was definitely warm last weekend. So if you followed my Instagram, then you saw some photos. We did a double date with a couple of friends and we rode out to uh, Doylestown, which is only like an hour. Had some brunch and then drove home and then... What's funny is there was snow in the parking lot because it was still kind of, it was like 1130. It wasn't crazy early, but um, it was colder the day before and there was snow left over from a couple days or a few days ago. And then we roll in the parking lot and it's 70 and there's snow at the very end of the parking lot. I mean, that's the weird ass weather we've been having. So a little bit of riding. Um, Oh, I uploaded my second video so I did like a short five minute overview of my new Cena headset and the remotes so if you have a newer Cena and you're thinking about buying one of their two little remote controls I just did a quick little overview on them um, it's on my blog and then I'm going to post a couple more photos of the units but 
basically they came out with a handlebar remote and it mounts to your left hand grip. And then uh, they also came out with a smaller little portable remote that you can clip to something like your tank bag or your jacket. I don't know, anywhere you want, I guess. Or you can actually stick it to your tank. So check that out when you have a chance. We'll post a link to that. Um, what else did I post? That's all I've actually been really working on, but I'm going to try to work out another video this week. So I'm planning to do a Gear 101 video series, so about maybe uh, five minutes each. And I'm going to cover a few fundamentals on shopping for gear and my rules and that sort of thing for those of you who are new to gear or you're uh, brand new to riding and you just you don't know anything about it and you want a nice overview, I'm going to post a couple videos over the next couple weeks. Uh, maybe a three-part series. I might do like three five-minute videos so you can just watch whatever section you want. So that I'm hoping to have done, uh, I mean, to have part one done this week. Maybe once you're done with the individual uh, gear moments, you can do kind of a splice of all you need to know in 30 minutes or something like that, or all you need to know in 10 minutes, something like that. Uh, like something longer? Well, something like helmet, like take the best part of the helmet, the more intense, longer version of like helmet, gloves, jacket, pants, and then splice oh, it into uh, like yes. so one head to toe segment. Another, that's, another, <laughs> that's another set of videos awesome. that I want to do. So this initial one is really more of a broad overview of just gear. So some broad points about shopping. And then, yes, I plan to do like five minute yeah, I don't want to make these like 30 minutes long. Um, but yeah, kind of all the the most important things you want to know about each of those parts. Helmet, jackets, boots, pants, gloves. So that'll be another series. But first, I want to get out these basic concepts first. So stay tuned. I don't know when it's going to all be done, but I'm going to try to start putting together each piece over the next few weeks. Well, that will definitely be a nice uh, intermission in between recordings. Yeah, yeah. I'll definitely definitely share them once I have them up. Well, we have a long list of recalls. <laughs> and we'll try to be uh, brief. And if you need further information, you know, we always post show notes on our website at motorific.com. And if you are contemplating typing in M-O-T-O-R, well, we wish we would have been able to get that, but uh, sadly, the internet is rife of lots of taken URLs. So just remember, uh, you are listening to a terrific motorcycle podcast, and so it is actually terrific with MO in front of it. Um, first recall up is for the YZF R3, the Yamaha R3, smallest of the sport bikes. Uh, basically... Um, the recall affects 2015 and 2016 models relates to two different issues concerning the fuel tank fitting bracket, which may crack and leak due to engine vibration. And the second defect refers to the main power switch, which could become corroded from water. So 
If you have a 2015 or 2016 R3, then you might want to contact your dealership and find out when you can start bringing your bike in. There is also a recall on the Triumph Bonneville T120 relative to their heated grip uh, component on their bike. So if you have a brand new T120 that has heated grips, I do not, unfortunately, um, you should definitely give your dealership a contact. Also, we have recalls for the KTM 690 Duke. There was already a worldwide recall on the KTM Adventure Bikes because of the modulator and the wiring harness could completely come into contact with each other. And the same issue will be affecting the KTM 690 Duke as well. And it's bikes from the 2012 to 2016 model year. And then final recall is Honda. And believe it or not, I don't know a lot about the Goldwing, but I'm shocked to find out that there's an actual airbag. Um, Honda has uh, the Takata airbag, which, uh, as you're familiar with, uh, massive recall affected a lot of the automotive industry, as, as did mine. It took forever for my Toyota to have the airbag come up. But... Uh, um, it also affects over 2,700 Honda Goldwing motorcycles. So um, that was in model years 2006 to 2009 and 2012. So if you have a Goldwing and you have a Goldwing manufactured between 2006 through 2009 and 2012, give your dealership a call. And that's pretty much as far as the, uh, the recalls are concerned. We do know and... You know, unless you've been living under a rock, which sometimes I, I can definitely take credit that I try to stay out of media for a little while. You know that EBR Motorcycles, Eric Buell's uh, probably third iteration of company, I think we're on, is closing its doors. Um, they're winding down production, looking for an investor to take over the brand. But right now, all their assets are being liquidated. So... Victory as well, also closing its doors as of January 1st, and they will still provide, I think, parts and assistance for 10 years, I think is what I heard. So uh, don't don't start stockpiling all your parts just yet. You should have support for some time after. And I think Oregon is trying again at lane splitting, hoping to capitalize upon the California legislation. I think, I think the best way to handle this would just be to make it a federal law, you know, or a national rather across across the board instead of trying to tackle this stuff state by state. But I got to hand it to Oregon after trying to get this to happen a couple years ago. They're putting it back on the ballot. Um, so we'll see how that uh, that goes a second time or at least a second time that we know of. That'd be nice if the feds would get together for us and make a lane-splitting law. But I don't think that's going to happen. Do you think more people would benefit so in uh, Pennsylvania by having some lane-splitting out there? They already <laughs> do it. So it would just give people more liberty to do it more and to do it faster and, I guess, more often. I, I, doubt, it, I doubt they'd want to give people more liberty to do it here, especially legally. They already take liberties and do it as it is.
So I doubt it. It's not really the most progressive state. Cool news for females who appreciate and love motorcycles in Iran is that it's a very small victory that uh, women were allowed to race for the first time in Iran. And uh, Banaz Shafiei, um, apologies if that is not the correct pronunciation, is, uh, is in Iran and has been pushing the ministry to approve for the last three years at least to allow the um, to allow a race to occur. And it's actually prohibited to ride a motorcycle in Iran if you're a female due to modesty laws. And uh, that particular event, men are banned from. They are banned from participating as well as watching. So it'll be all female spectators, all female uh, related organizers and racers. There were 30 applicants. They whittled it down to 15. And that will be, that has happened outside of Tehran. And uh, it's a small victory for women in that country to be able to, uh, to go out and enjoy riding. Um, but uh, the, risks is st- the risks are still legit. Uh, two women were arrested after being filmed riding a motorcycle. And that is recognized as an obscene act in, uh, in Iran still. But uh, we hope that um, more opportunities like this come if... You know, if only women, if it's all women competing, then it's a small victory. Maybe one day she'll be able to compete against the men. Yeah, I don't, I don't know why it's obscene. Um, modesty but, laws, um, uh, women don't wear pants, if I'm uh, not mistaken, in, um, in Iran. Uh, and I'm not too sure about uh, what the requirements are for dress in this particular country. But I do know that there are a lot of questions with regards to how to wear a hijab while wearing the motorcycle gear, uh, how to properly wear it. Uh, As far as other uh, sports are concerned, motorcycling is one of the more, (laughs) I guess, modest, you could could say, because you are covered up from head to toe. But um, I I applaud her persistence, and I hope that... um, this is a small step in a in a in an improvement for them to be able to compete and to ride. Now we all know, as a yeah. foreigner, uh, you can ride in Iran. You still have to uh, cover your face or cover your hair uh, wearing the hijab, um, as Lois did. Uh, Lois Price, who just recently wrote a book on her travels through Iran. And we will post a link to get that on order, which I think it just became available in the U.S. So if you're interested in reading a a great book about a... God, I think she's probably the first person or at least one of the earliest people to ride around as a female in Iran. Another interesting uh, article or discussion point on women and motorcycling is uh, an article uh, by Lily Brooks Dalton, who is a, an author of a couple of motorcycle books. And she wrote a piece for the New York Times magazine uh, back in January talking about a trip where her and a couple other females 
took Euro motorcycles from the New York area over to the Canadian border, did some camping, and found that in Canada they had to explain themselves a lot. There were no men waiting for them somewhere, and uh, they didn't borrow their boyfriend's bike or something like that. So Motorcycling Without the Mansplaining was the title of her article. Um, I don't find a whole lot of that type of conversation or engagement out here in California, apart from a couple of contractors who do take a look at the motorcycles that are parked in my driveway and remark with such assurance that my husband must really love to ride motorcycles because he has a lot. <laughs> he does have a lot. I know. Currently now, no, because uh, I've, I've called the herd. My girlfriend has, um, when I went to see her in California, she has two cars and like four bikes. And she's like, it's just not normal for a woman to have this many That's a nice spread. Cars if I had a bigger driveway. If I had a and, bigger and, driveway, it would be better. Yeah, she has a big garage and she owns her house. I'm like, why isn't it? You're a successful woman. You make plenty of money. Why not buy all the toys you want and have mm-hmm. all of the? I would you be want. her if I had a driveway and a garage. Yeah. Well, if we had a bigger garage, we'd certainly have at least another yeah, bike absolutely. each in there as well. Space is what um, prevents me from collecting. Well, um, well, you have a big patio, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but I like to use my patio. Um, and I just got rid of the BMW finally, the F six fifty GS, the. Uh, the Deer Slayer has found a new home with a uh, professional photographer it's local to my area. Nice. So I'm happy she's gone on to greener pastures. Yeah, I, me... I, uh, I wonder if, you know, the reason why maybe out west that it's not as prevalent is because people are used to seeing more of us out there because certainly the riding population is the highest in California and, well, registered vehicles, I believe. Sure. Motorcycles, right? California, Florida. To me, it makes I mean, sense out there. I think a factor of, you know, what you see and what you're used to definitely plays into that. But you're still going to run into people in California that are going to tell you that. Yeah. Just likewise, I think that maybe um, in the Midwest, you might find that. Uh, what happened to these women in Canada? You might find that happen. Yeah. I think there's a lot of pillions in the Midwest, maybe. Um, just a, a total stereotype. I don't, I don't know for certain, but I bet if I did a cross-country ride, it would be interesting to go through the different states and kind of figure out whether or not people would talk to me about how dangerous it was to ride a motorcycle in, like, insert state here. <laughs> and I would have to decide whether or not I wanted to engage and say something silly like oh well it's a lot safer here than it was in south america or just kind of (laughs) nod and carry on so yeah so uh did you have you had any interesting experiences not with regards to mansplaining like that um not while traveling so much not in the direct way that this woman that lily experienced with her friends um, my mansplaining usually appears while I'm trying to talk to them about gear. 
Mm. Or yeah. if uh, someone, someone's there with a friend and the friend is trying to explain to him or her information about products that we might be discussing. And sometimes they say things that aren't true about the products. And I have to explain that that's not true. And actually, it's like this. And uh, that that happens to me more than anything. It's just in the nature of my work. Um, and, and some people are going to perceive that as mansplaining, but a lot of people are just going to perceive that, that as, well, I'm just sharing my opinion, which is fine. You should, everyone should be able to express their opinion. However, when I've clearly stated factual information and then you repeat that information in a different way, then I'm going to take offense to that because clearly I've provided information for you. You don't have to re-explain it to your friend again using different words. So that for me, that's where I get the bulk of my mansplaining. Um, yeah, so I don't even think, just to since I looked it up all of a sudden, I'm like, you know what, I think I've got the definition wrong. Uh, mine was just a, a case of someone assuming that because it's a motorcycle it must belong to a guy um, i've had a couple of those things i guess but oh, mansplaining is to explain something to someone typically a woman in a manner regarded as condescending or patronizing so you know if i was pulling up to a gas station and a guy stepped over and said oh hey let me uh let me help you with that or you know if you did it this way yes. it would be easier or something along those lines yeah. Or as uh, Joanne just uh, illustrated, um, let me take what Joanne just said and say it with, you know, Resplain. this time I'll wave my hands and somehow <laughs> it's more justified. <laughs> just resplain to you. Yeah, I, I think I've gotten like lucky. I don't, I can't recall anything like egregious where someone has been that condescending to me or anything like that. So. Certainly, I feel like as every year goes by, that the attitudes and opinions change more, and more and more people are enlightened. Um, I think the, <laughs> the only thing I can think of that I thought was a little funny, and uh, at the time, is when I rented a bike in Ireland. I rented a BMW F650GS, same gen as yours, and... Um, I wasn't used to riding on the other side of the road, so I just needed a couple of pointers about riding on the left side versus the right side and just just any weird things to look out for. And And uh, he told me just to take a quick spin around the parking lot on the bike since I hadn't ridden it before. So I did a couple of figure eights just to, you know, see what the clutch was like and just get a feel for this particular BMW because I'd ridden an F650GS before, but not that particular one, right? And when I came back from my figure eights, he's like, wow, wow, you really know what you're doing there. I said, yeah, I hope so. It's been 10 years. Or God, whatever. I haven't done a figure eight since <laughs> I had to take the test. I don't even know if I could I mean, execute that still. I, I don't remember if I did exact eight, but I did a couple U-turns just to, because it's a small parking lot, so, you know, there really wasn't, far to go I just was trying to see like how did this bike handle and you mm -hmm. know was I going to be comfortable on it and yeah just, you know whatever and he was surprised by that and something tells me he would never say something like that to a man who rented you know the same bike but that that that's just I think straight sexism um 
I think a lot of the time the mansplaining is a little bit more subtle and not as outright in your face. You know what I mean? So I think sometimes yeah. I just it happens and I just don't even notice anymore. Maybe because it just is so normal. Um, except for the gear explanations, just because I think that's just the nature of my work and the stuff that we're talking about. But um, if it's happened to yeah. you, well, we I mean, there's think. mansplaining, and then there's just straight up being condescending, like. Yep. Yep couldn't possibly be you that owns these motorcycles or it couldn't possibly be you that's walking into a BMW dealership wanting to purchase a motorcycle, um, which is my favorite story ever. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm, I kind of blow these things off, but, uh, yeah. Funniest story that I've told before on the podcast was when I was first looking for my BMW and I walked into a local BMW dealership and I walked in with my then boyfriend and I'm about 5'10 and he was 6'5 mm -hmm. and we walked through the door and were immediately greeted by one of the sales reps who looks at, uh, basically looks up <laughs> because clearly if you're making eye contact with me, you wouldn't be casting your eyes upward towards 6'5 saying, well, hello and you know, how can I help you, sir? And he uh, kind of looks down and points his finger in the direction of me and coughs. <laughs> and he, the sales rep, automatically uh, realizes that he has probably screwed this sale. And basically, we continue talking and he takes me over to uh, a 650 because, of course, I'm not looking towards a 1200. And I happily smile and say, honey, can you hold my purse for me, please? And he's, of course, you know, going along with it because it's amusing. And uh, it was um, quite, a, quite a fun way to cruise through a dealership and just kind of, all right, well, I didn't actually buy from him. I got a better deal. And uh, going back, you know, that was a dealership that I continually went back to for servicing. And I would occasionally see that sales rep and he would look at me and smile and be like, I know, I know, I totally screwed it up. And I'm like, yep, you did. I sure hope you remember that every time a couple walks through the door. Because, uh, you know, later on he, he asked, oh, I see you, you know, you bought a BMW. You can I ask where you got it. I'm like, sure, it was a private sale and I only paid this. And he's like, shoot, yeah, you, you definitely got a great deal. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so he all in... All in, I wouldn't say all in good fun, but uh, I, I definitely think he learned from it. I, I don't know um, if he officially learned from it and treated other people a little differently. But um, at any rate, uh, there is another incident uh, at a BMW dealership, sadly, that um, Joanne kind of alerted me to. So I have that open. It uh, was a kind of a dealership event so in other words they have little seminars or classes and someone um you know decides to uh do like a, a teaching event a 101 type course and actually she follows me on instagram um hmm. so uh, a, a gal from uh from southern california went into a dealership and uh we'll we'll have to uh say that it's the BMW motorcycle dealership of Ventura because I know this because the events line up. She didn't reference it, but I can tell you I will. Um, she went to a 
101 on camping. And uh, she was in rare form, being a female in the audience, and she decided to bring her 12-year-old daughter to that event, and uh, regretfully so. And there was an event planned where it was uh, camping, and it was, I think, probably a couple overnights. They do do a lot of rides from that dealership. And she asked if the event was rain or shine, which is a fair question, because, well, sometimes, eh, you know, people cancel events if it's ridiculous. And Southern California, we've actually been having not just a little rain, but like serious rain, yeah. like rain where you wouldn't want to go riding in the canyons the day after it rains because there's a serious risk on floods. Biblical so, proportions. Yeah, it's a legitimate concern. And basically she was told that it was really for an adventure rider and adventure riders are prepared for any type of weather. So why on earth would you ever ask a question like that? Of course it's rain or shine. Um, and unfortunately, you know, her reaction um, and most people's reaction to something like this is, uh, you know, uh, remembering why she didn't buy her motorcycle from them. And, uh, you know, that, that environment, in my opinion, isn't conducive to elicit uh, more customers, um, to elicit people to actually do service or purchase or buy a motorcycle um, or go on future events. And it's unfortunate because it was the dealership that was holding this. It wasn't um, another individual there um, that was, it wasn't someone like me or Joanne or um, a, a, just a random adventure rider who was giving the class. It was an actual dealership held and um, sponsored event. So I certainly hope that BMW Motorcycles of Ventura, of which I have a couple of friends who frequent that dealership, um, kind of realize that uh, they might not be having a lot of women join their uh, their rides, and there's a legitimate reason. It's not because we don't ride, or because we're not interested, or because we're not able to keep up. It is because their condescending environment is not really constructive for um, lots of women, and especially not for women who want to be role models in a, let's say, largely male-dominated uh, sport to bring their kids along. So it's unfortunate that that happened. I certainly hope that um, she finds uh, somewhere else uh, another dealership that uh, is a little bit more constructive. Well, she, to be fair, she didn't say, the sales manager said, blah, blah, blah. We can assume from her post that a representative of the dealer said that to her yeah I, I it sounds like it but she didn't name names or anything like that i mean no no she it, didn't name the dealer yeah either. but it was an organizer of the event so i would assume but who knows it for all we know it could have been some group running the event at the dealership and using their space we don't know that so we don't have all the details but it's pretty obvious that someone who works there said these things to her and I just commented I hope that you send a very strongly worded letter or phone call to the manager there or the owner and tell them your experience because sometimes there are bad apples 
in a good bunch. And mm-hmm. those people somehow stick around and the people who need to know these things never hear. So I hope she expresses her experience and shares that with someone there who will listen. And if not, tell BMW. If they're the ones representing the brand, BMW North America, they should know that one of their dealers is treating female customers this way. And it's not right. So I would hope she would get some kind of response. And I think that's how we, as female riders, that's how we're going to make the biggest difference. We have to voice our concerns and our experiences and say, hey, I came in here yesterday. This is what happened. You need to listen to me because this is not right. And hopefully the people there who do care, they will take action. And hopefully that person was either reprimanded or booted. I don't know. But I know that in a lot of dealerships, there are really genuinely great people, men and women, um, who do treat their customers equally as equals, not just by gender. But to make change, we've got to just, you know, scream these things and, and communicate these things to people who listen. So if you've ever had an experience like that, um, and if you've had to deal with that, please post a comment or share that with us. Um, But it is, I would say, it's hard to find dealers who genuinely treat every customer as an equal, regardless of their gender, especially in a motorcycle environment. It's just, there's still a lot of old values, I think, or older ways of thinking, traditional, (laughs) traditional methods still being used. Um, today I actually was, we were shopping at a vintage store, uh, in Philly and I posted a photo on my Instagram, it's instagram.com slash gearchick. And it was a copy of Easy Rider magazine from 1990 something, maybe 94, 92. And it's basically like hustler and motorcycles, right? Because every other page there's some scantily clad woman next to a chopper. But there was a little two-page spread about this one older woman who she found out she was dying, like in a year. She had cancer, I think, and she bought a Harley. And so it was her next to her Harley. She's posing. She looks beautiful. She looks a lot younger than she really is, just based on what we were reading. She was dressed in a certain way, I would say, maybe not the most warm way she looked a little chilly um but she was represented i don't know i mean just looking at it i was a little conflicted i don't know did you see my photo today mm-hmm. I, I i don't know what do you think did you see <laughs> i don't know if you can even read what it says on there i can read a little bit yeah but i don't know i just shared it because i thought it was funny that yes it's a place for us for women riders to be noticed (laughs) but maybe not in the best way i i don't know obviously she was she looked happy anyway to be posing next to it but i don't know that kind of the modern female motorcyclist would be posing necessarily in a magazine like that i don't know it's just definitely not my scene Do we want to switch gears to some product 
Absolutely. Speaking of staying covered, now is around the time of year where you will see <clears throat> the latest and greatest product launches, well, apparel launches from various brands. You've probably already seen uh, if you're on, you know, Revzilla's site or if you're just on different uh, motorcycle media pages. Uh, Alpen Stars, Dionese, and Revit all have spring, uh, spring and fall gear launches. Um, if you're a sporty girl and you're looking for a new tracksuit, maybe a sporty leather jacket, maybe some sporty boots, a sporty mesh, Alpen Stars has re-released several of their most popular um, sporty outfits, including a one-piece race suit at $1,000, which, by the way, if you're looking for a one-piece track suit, it's really hard, as you probably know if you've been shopping. It's very difficult to find a one-piece that fits you the way you want it to. And out of all the brands, well, the two, three brands that make one-piece suits, Alpenstars, I think, really does the best job from a proportion standpoint, from a fit perspective. Every time I put a woman in an Alpenstars one-piece suit, pretty much fits her every time. Uh, there's only a few exceptions, I'd say, to that. And that would be kind of the extremely petite, slim uh, body types. Um, so check out the Motegi. It's the Motegi V2. So that's the second version. So the old version is probably on sale. So if you're looking for a good deal in a tracksuit, yep, it's down to $765. So that's just Motegi. Stars has a history of renaming newer models the same name as the old model, which to me makes no sense. But so when you're shopping... Uh, and looking at the new things, they'll have the exact same name as the old, but the new ones have a V2 in it. So hopefully that'll help you differentiate the newest stuff. So they've got some uh, sporty leathers out. They got a sporty leather jacket that also comes in a vented version, and then new updated versions of their SMX6 boots, which I previously purchased the older version once. And then I just couldn't trade them up for my CDs. So I hang on to my CDs and I actually sold those to someone else. But there's a new version of that out as well as some new gloves. So they have a couple of their new summer or just a couple of gloves that they've uh, also re-released. So check that out. We'll post links to some of their all these different product lines. Uh, Revit also is launching. Uh, they launched a new multi-season suit a couple of pants, a new mesh jacket, and then a two-piece leather street outfit. They previously had the Xena 1, and they now re-released the Xena 2. So a new two-piece street uh, sporty leather, as well as the Horizon 2 for those of you on the adventure touring side or you're just looking for a multi-season suit. The Horizon 2... I think basically replaces the sand. So the sand lady suit is on sale right now, by the way. If you really wanted that outfit, it's they're all about 20-ish percent off of retail pricing. So it's a good time to buy a sand outfit if you want a, a uh, really nice multi-season outfit. Uh, the Horizon follows in its footsteps. It's got a slightly different fit. 
and a little bit different arrangement for three to four season riding. And then they also released a women's touring boot, adventure touring, called the Outdry. So kind of a traditional touring look, all black leather, waterproof, um, which is a very simple style, as well as a mesh jacket, which actually I think is the only one I've seen that comes in a brown. So for those of you in the Bonneville, uh, you know, Oh my God, scrambler, lifestyles, cruisers, and you're looking for a mesh jacket that doesn't look so sporty or touring, the Eclipse is comes in brown. So it's a nice kind of chocolate, not a dark chocolate, not a light one, but I'd say a nice tan, dark tan brown mesh for summertime. It's less than 200 bucks. Really nice option if you want something that blends in a little bit more as a little bit more casual style. And then they released uh, some new gloves. They updated their Xena glove. So just a few new offerings, nothing earth shattering or drastically different than what they've offered. Um, Dianese offered, has offered a couple of new things. They released three new jackets and also a one piece race suit. I don't know what the fitment's going to be like on this lady's suit, but it's also under $1,000. And um, it's called the Assen. It's perforated. Fitment-wise, if it's anything like previous Dionese, it's another slim fit suit. So not the most generous um, in line with traditional Dionese wear. But they released... Uh, uh, couple of textiles and a casual leather called the Lola. So not a lot, lot from Dionese, but uh, a few new things here and there. Now's a good time to shop for closeouts. I'm really hoping that sale. new leather jacket that they announced that's made for men and women looks really kick-ass in person. Is it the one with the red and blue stripes on the sleeve? Yes. Yes, that's the Lola. The one where the concept bike was based off of my friend's motorcycle, the mm -hmm. Zeta. Uh, the look looks really good. Like I think they brought, basically brought back the uh, Lola from a previous version. It's been a while since they've had this design, but this is a kind of a rehash of a traditional uh, vintage design that they they've brought back before. But it usually looks great. These always look really nice in person. Oh, yeah, it has big stripes on the back, too. Yep, black and black, red and blue. So interesting com combo. Yeah, like if you watch the Revzilla video, it looks pretty good. So if you're looking for good deals, now is a great time to go shopping. And for men, too. A lot of the brand, all these brands also, of course, have launched new stuff for boys and a ton of stuff on sale for you as well. So really a great time for everyone to get a good deal. Uh, for anyone going to MotoGP, I'm gonna be going out Thursday and coming back Monday. So if you see me, please say hi. We could take a couple pictures, we can post to Instagram. So what are you doing out there? MotoGP, so I'm gonna fly in Thursday, maybe walk around downtown Austin, just check it out. 
And then uh, practice and qualifying Friday and Saturday. Never been to Coda, so hoping also... You're just going there as a... As a just as a... Enthusiast? Yeah, just like anyone else. Wow. Just like before, I've been to four GPs. I've been to four Laguna Secas. So no different than what I've done before. Um, always have a good time at GP, and this time I'm sure it'll be even better since the Austin track is... Such a nice track. It's pretty. It's mm-hmm. new. The tower looks amazing. So hopefully I'll get a ticket and be able to ride up to the top of the tower and take some pictures. Um, yeah, a couple of our friends are also going. So we'll just hang out, walk around, you know, rent an Airbnb. Um, yeah, just like walk around, maybe hit different corners, check out racing from the entire track. So. Nothing exciting. Just normal vacation. Uh, and in the in a plane, not bike bike. Uh, that's that takes way too long and it's nice to fly places sometimes and rent a car. So strictly in the plane, in a rental car, and then lots of walking around the track. Good times. We're going, say hi. We thank you for joining us for another episode of the Motorific Podcast. You can always find us on the interwebs at Motorific, as in a terrific motorcycle podcast. So Motorific.com. You can listen through our website. You can also listen on iTunes and Stitcher and other uh, apps specifically for podcasts. You can find Joanne on most platforms, I believe all actually, uh, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook as Gearchick. I am not as lucky with picking my names. Um, I'm all over the place. So on Facebook, you can find my journalist page as Christy Farrell, ADB Goddess. Um, You can find us on Facebook as Motorific Podcast. And as well, I am on Twitter is ADV Goddess and Instagram as Motorific Media. And I did put a link to Motorific Media um, on our show notes in the event you want to see a little bit of the food porn from my foodcation in New Orleans and a couple other random photos. Um, that's probably the most up to date way of following my wanderings. So we thank you for joining in. And we look forward to seeing you again in a couple of weeks for episode 92. We'll see you then. <laughs>